order, order, order. Now, 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 Mr. Dalpius, you stand here today claiming that you visited another planet in, uh, inhabited by, what are they, uh, vegans, was it? Uh, no, 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 vegans. They're residents of the system Vega. Right, vegans. Hmm. And you claim that you traveled all the way across the universe to do what again? Well, they're just, they're fans of our podcast, of the podcast that I host, called Uh AA Popcast, with you actually, Adam Schwartz. I find this hard to believe, (laughs) Mr. Dalpias, that you would have traveled all the way across the universe to share our podcast. Well, the reason is that they've heard our podcast, and they want us to know that they're such big fans, but the way that space travel works, their likes of our Instagram posts... And their retweets of our tweets on Twitter, just, they're taking a while to come through. Mm. But they said that people who do live on Earth should totally follow us on social media at AA Popcast. That's D-O-U-B-L-E-A-P-O-P-C-A-S-T. And they should leave high ratings on Apple Podcasts. And why should they be leaving these high ratings on Apple Podcasts, Mr. Dalpias? So that other people, all life forms, any life form, can find us and enjoy what we have to say. I find that highly skeptical, but I, for one, am about to go to our social media to double-check everything you've just said. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I actually took a selfie with the alien. He actually, the alien looked like you, and then we were on a crude drawing of the Death Star that I had drawn when I was five years old. Well, that seems very odd. Well, the aliens said that they tapped into my memory and used things that I was familiar with because I wouldn't be able to comprehend them on their level, which that's actually something that I've heard a lot from my teachers growing up. So it's like, eh, that's kind of par for the course. That's very unfortunate, Mr. Dalpias. We will... We'll discuss this further after a brief recess. Court is dismissed. Oh, is that why we gathered in this school cafeteria? Are we going to go play in that jungle gym now? Oh, dear God. Welcome back to AA Popcast. Your weekly recharge. Yes. What? We just got recharged. I, you like sound effects, so I figured I'd go practical. <laughs> Never a dull opening with you. No. Oh, my goodness. How are you, Anthony? I'm wonderful. That's good. Yeah. That's good. How How's about your... yourself? Oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. How's your week been? It's been just a mishmash. I've, I've had a lot of deadlines coming up, so mm. it's been a lot of work there. Mm-hmm. But it is always exciting and refreshing. Looking forward to doing a podcast with you. It always is. It reinvigorates it's, me. It really does. It, it really is our weekly recharge. It is, yeah. I always look forward to it, honestly. Yeah. Gets me through the week. It really does. And, in fact, so a lot of times I'll I'll have thoughts of, oh, I should talk to Adam about this on the podcast, things like this, or I should mention this on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So this weekly watch that I'm about to bring up is something that I've wanted to bring up for a couple weeks now. Mm -hmm. And that is, so there's a video of Elton John and Taryn Edgerton at the Elton John AIDS Foundation conference i guess Mm -hmm. and it's the two of them singing tiny dancer oh and it is very good so okay it's at the elton john aids foundation academy awards viewing party okay that's where it was at and so taryn edgerton is going to play elton john in the upcoming biopic 
Rocket Man that comes out in May. Mm-hmm. I'm beyond excited for that movie. Yeah. And the cool thing about that movie is that Taron Egerton actually sings in that movie. Yeah, he apparently has like a really good singing voice. He does. He was actually in a in an animated movie called Sing. Oh yeah, he played the gorilla. Yeah, I haven't it? seen yeah. it, but I've heard that he's good as the singing gorilla in that movie. Yeah. But this is kind of a neat preview for me, and yeah, it's just it's mostly Taron Egerton singing Tiny Dancer, Elton John's the piano, but then they duet about halfway through mm-hmm. and that i remember seeing that and being like that's cool yeah that's, that's really cool and i just elton john is an incredible musician mm-hmm. i remember i just on a whim a couple of years ago i got a greatest hit cd of his and i thought it was all right and then after a couple of listens through i fell in love with the song rocket man mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite songs of all time yeah. And I've been listening to it a lot lately, and I really like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Mm-hmm. My my dad actually, I remember when I was younger, asked him about, like, what was his first concert? And his first concert was seeing Elton John. No way. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to go see Rocket Man as a family because that, that has, like, some personal connection for him with, like, his first concert and seeing oh, yeah. young, young Elton John. Oh, my. Your dad has to see him again because he's doing his final tour i guess oh, ever. Right. Yeah. yeah he will for the next year i think yeah he started last year and it's supposed to go for a year and a half or so mm-hmm. and then he'll be done yeah yeah that's a that's a little uh i don't know it's like an, an, era, an end of an era with elton john not touring anymore you know um, yeah but my weekly watch is actually a bit of a non-traditional weekly watch um and this is actually a YouTube channel uh, that I'm a huge, huge fan of. And it's very relevant to Double A Popcast because a lot of what this guy does is pop culture related. Okay. Um, so this combines two of my favorite things. Food and pop culture. Um, are you familiar with Binging with Babish? No. So this is, this guy is an Andrew Rhea. Andrew Rhea. Andrew Ray. Andrew Rhea. He's a cool guy. Uh-huh. Lives in New York. Um, That's how you know he's cool. Oh, yeah. Um, he's got a beard. I have a beard. Oh. I like beard bros. Um, I'm just going to stop right there with that uh, digression. Um, the beard bros. The beard bros. Coming soon to FX. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that series. Um, so basically what he does is... First of all, Babish is the name he... He's borrowing from Oliver Babish, who was the head chef on the West Wing. Okay. Um, but what he does is he recreates food from pop culture. So, okay. like, he makes a Krabby Patty, as described by SpongeBob. No way. In an episode. Or he'll recreate... Um, so, the most recent, one of the more recent episodes, there's an episode of SpongeBob, very topical here, um, where Squidward is serving this customer, like... Here's your double batter fried, you know, double batter deep fried, you know, triple Krabby Patty on a stick. <laughs> and then he, like, walks away. The customer walks away and sort of like, moron. And he comes back, sorry, what? You forgot your mayonnaise. Thanks. And then he, like, bites into, the like, the fried burger and, like, squirts mayonnaise in his mouth. And so the guy, he created a, like, triple patty burger and double battered it and deep fried it. 
and then squirted mayo in his mouth and ate it just like the guy did in the show. So he eats everything he creates? He eats everything he creates, even the, like, disgusting stuff. I was about to say, I'm sure there's some disgusting things. He's done several episodes. He did one um, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm Mm-hmm. And he did rum ham, oh, which is just ham soaked Soaked in in rum. rum. He's like, he's like, well, it tastes like rum (laughs) and ham. So if you like both of those, you'll like that. Um, He did milk steak from It's Always Sunny. Uh I'm guessing it's that those creepy siblings. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, He did one from Seinfeld. Those were pretty just like regular standard stuff. Yeah. Um, but he did one of his earlier ones. There is a a dish from the show Archer uh-huh. called um, Eggs Woodhouse, and Woodhouse is Archer's. Archer's a spy, uh, and Archer's butler's named Woodhouse, and so Eggs Woodhouse is like Eggs Benedict, mm-hmm. but it has like gold leaf and like this in. Imberico ham, which is like a special kind of ham only found in Spain, that to import it costs like forty dollars a pound. Wow! And like he remade this whole whole thing that includes like some of the most expensive caviar you can get, and he just like made it and recreated it all. And he's like, he's like, this food is so rich, it's so fatty. I took two bites and then took a nap the rest of the day. <laughs> um, so he just does like really, he's really like casual about it too. But all you see is like from the the chest down. So you see the counter where he's making the food. So you really mm-hmm. only see his hands. You've never seen his face. You see his face in several of the episodes, like the behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you watch it, the focus is on the food. Oh. And so if you're hungry, watching his videos are very dangerous because then you're tempted to want to go cook. Yeah. A lot. Um, but, but yeah. Um, it's a, a really, really fun series. Um, and in a kind of ironic way of saying it, you can, I would highly recommend binging, binging with Babish. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and just starting from the beginning and going forward. Um, like his first episode was making homemade, uh, pizza. Oh yeah. In honor of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who eat pizza all the time. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he he's really really fun. He did a Game of Thrones episode, oh really, which included pigeon pie, which <laughs> is like a meat pie made with pigeons, which I didn't know you can buy at like oh. a deli, but they're called like squabs. Yeah, and so he like made pigeon pie, oh. and like other gross stuff from Game of Thrones, and now I'm just thinking about other things he can make like so there's an episode of teen titans it's called employee of the month mm-hmm. i know the title because it's one of my favorite episodes from mm-hmm. that series in that series beast boy gets a job at this all meat restaurant and it's kind of funny because he's a vegetarian right and they have things like meat fries these like super meaty burgers but then you find out that that whole restaurant is just a front for this alien who's invaded who is like made of tofu and all the food is actually tofu. So I wonder how he would even go about making some of that food. He's done weird stuff like that where like there's weird implications with the food mm-hmm. and like he'll re- he like as the show says <laughs> it's all tofu. So he would make it so all So he'd tofu make it somehow. all out of tofu. Wow. And then you mentioned that he's made a Krabby Patty before. Mm-hmm. Doesn't a Krabby Patty have seaweed or something weird on it? It 
Okay, so one of the things that he did in the Krabby Patty episode yeah. is it mentions, like, Powder of Poseidon in one of the episodes where you see the Krusty Krab or the Krabby Patty recipe. Yeah. And he's like, Poseidon's powder seems either it's, like, drugs or it's MSG. And it was MSG because the way he described it is, like, MSG gets a bad rap because all it is is basically just, like, not concentrated sodium, but like it's a, it's a flavor enhancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put MSG on the burger. Yeah. And he's like, eating MSG in large quantities is bad, but putting it as like a seasoning on a burger is completely fine. Oh. And there's like no adverse health side effects really to it. Um, and so he's like, I can intuit that Poseidon's powder is probably MSG. And so Mr. Krabs recipe is that it's just MSG on the burger, making it taste better. Oh, okay. Um, so he did that. So it's basically just a regular burger. Pretty much. Except in the episode where, like, Spongebob forgets how to make a Krabby Patty, he mentions how it's, like, bun, patty, lettuce, cheese, tomato, and he did it in that order. And he's like, this is a weird burger because he put the lettuce right on the patty, Uh and then the cheese follows the lettuce, which you'd want to have the cheese on the burger so it could melt Mm -hmm. onto the burger but in this way, the cheese stays cold because it's on top of lettuce. Oh, yeah. It's on top of the... Bur- so we have soggy lettuce and cold cheese. <laughs> it should be the other way around. Did he you, Did he make a smiley face out of the ketchup on the top bun? Yep. I always do that with my burgers. <laughs> Ever since seeing Spongebob? Spongebob really influenced my life. Yeah. Growing up, instead of swearing, I would say tartar sauce. Tartar sauce. Barnacles. Yeah. I would never say any of the other ones, but it, al- it would always be tartar, tartar sauce. sauce. And my and my family always they we have this joke inside joke with me that um, when bad things happen they they go tartar sauce and this because and my mom says that that's that's always the way I would say it kind of under my breath like that tartar never sauce. any different intonation always just tartar sauce huh I mean it's funny because when I bring up SpongeBob we're just kind of digress now and reminisce about SpongeBob. I thought I first heard of tartar sauce in SpongeBob. Oh, me too. And then when I saw tartar sauce in real life, I'm like, huh? I know. Wait, this is a thing? Right. I thought this was just like a phrase from SpongeBob. Uh huh. It's like, no, you, you put tartar sauce on fish. And I'm like, that seems barbaric. Uh... <laughs> Got it. Got <laughs> that it. makes sense. Yep. Um, but he did. He, I think he did pretty patties where he like dyed all the food like one color in the oh the yeah and did like in the episode. Um, he did put great. He mixed strawberry and grape jelly to make quote unquote jellyfish jelly. Oh, and he put that on the burger and he's like would recommend. Really, you should do this because it's like salty from like the meat and the sweet from the. Mm-hmm. It's like dipping pretzels in peanut butter. Salty well, sweet. I would never do that. W- what? Nah. And see, I love peanut butter. Really? I've tried before dipping celery into peanut butter, and I know people do that. That's good. Ugh, no. It doesn't oh. taste good at all to me. It tastes great. It makes, like, I love the peanut butter part, but uh-huh. I feel like it takes away from both. And then you're just left with just how little of a, how little of a taste that celery has. Nothing, absence of a taste. It's just blah. Bland. Have you tried carrots and peanut butter? No, but a classmate was doing that the other day. And I was just dumbfounded. Carrots and peanut butter is amazing. Oh, no. See, yep. but I'm the type of person, I think I just like pure peanut butter. 
I will literally get a jar of peanut butter and scoop and eat straight from the jar. So you're a PVP, a peanut butter purist. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I, mean, I used to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all the time growing up. But in retrospect, that's very really that's a very unhealthy dish. Peanut butter and jelly? Yeah, it's just sugar and salt on bread. It's all good. I would eat a bowl of ice cream before I went to bed every night. <laughs> <laughs> so it counted. Cancel each other Man, out. If I had sugar your, and sugar. I wish I had your metabolism. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Well, that I think was a pretty solid weekly watch discussion there. Yeah. From Elton John to grape jelly on the burger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, check out Rocket Man coming out. Um, end of May. End of May. Don't know the exact date off the top of my head, but I think it's May 25th. And Binging with Babish is on YouTube. Um, Available now. Check him out. He's great. He's making a new episode, I believe, every Wednesday. Um, so Cool. And if you want to keep checking us out, yes. leave us a high rating on Apple Podcasts and yeah. iTunes. Mm-hmm. That way... People can find us more easily. Yeah. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Double A Popcast. That's D O U B L E A P O P C A S T. Let us know some of your weekly watches. Yeah. Some of the recommendations you have. Yeah. Some things that you'd like to see us talk about. Like, are you going to see Rocket Man? Would you eat a cheeseburger with jelly on it? You know? Stuff like that. Do you know the peanut butter jelly time dancing song? Do you know the Muffin Man? All these questions and more you can ask at our Twitter and Instagram handles. Yeah. Now, speaking of discussions, yes, we're about to watch Contact, and then we'll come back and discuss it. Sounds good. We just watched Contact, and now Adam's here to give a little synopsis of the movie. Yes. So the movie Contact is about this astronomer named Dr. Ellie Arroway, played by Jodie Foster who works for SETI, which is the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which is an actual organization on Earth that still does work in New Mexico, just like in the film. I don't know if they started off in Puerto Rico, as they do in the film, but she basically starts in Puerto Rico, moves to New Mexico, after she requests funding from this wealthy, eccentric billionaire tech mogul, Hammond? Hart? Hart? Oh, oh, what's his name? Jeez, this is all. This is our Achilles heel. Knowing it really is knowing names. characters' names. Um, I wrote this down. It starts with an H. Haddon. 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 Yes, played by John Hurt. So she gets money from Haddon and continues her research. And during her research, she basically finds that there is this signal that's been repeating from the star of Vagan, and she is able to decode the message with the help of her fellow scientists. Um, who are now getting involved with the U.S. government, and they discovered that there are plans for a teleportation-style device. She is able to get enough funding. There is a few hiccups here. Um, the first model, or I guess the first actual like prototype, if you will, um, is destroyed in a terrorist attack from a super-religious extremist. Uh, extremist, yeah. Um, who thinks that this whole alien thing is like an abomination is a you know a and a face to god in a way mm-hmm. um and so they're able to they were already able to build a second teleportation device of which jody foster dr arroway is able to travel through and goes on this like 18 hour long journey into this into space and is able to make it to vega 
the Star of Vega, the planet around Star of Vega, where she meets up with who what looks like her father, but is actually just a Vegan who has basically hacked her memories on the trip over there to make the transition to Vega more acceptable and more bearable for her, for being so weird and so strange. She's then sent back, and on Earth, it had only been one second by the time she left, uh, but it had been 18 hours for her. So there's kind of a play on relativity there, of Einstein's theory of relativity and all that. Um, and she basically has to go before Congress, who is like, we spent all this money, you were gone for like a second, so where's your proof that you actually went on this whole trip? And she has to basically say that I can't prove it, and I will accept that it might not have happened, but I can tell you, in, like, in my heart of hearts that this is what happened. And she testifies before Congress and says, this is what happened. I'm sorry, I can't give you anything, but this is what I know happened. And her friend, who is named... Matthew McConaughey's character, Palmer. Palmer Joss, who is, at the time, a kind of religious advisor to the president. President Bill Clinton, by the way, who makes several appearances... <laughs> In the film, probably just footage they were able to find. It but, was, yeah. Um, so he's advisor to Bill Clinton on religion, and he basically testifies outside of the courthouse. Or I guess the Supreme Court, <laughs> you know, any old courthouse in D.C., the Supreme Court, <laughs> yeah. and says that he believes her, and that he believes in that in the same way that faith in God, you can't prove that God exists, but you just must have faith that the trip that she took she just has to kind of we have to believe her and he accepts and takes what she says at face value and believes it and that's basically our story that was a great synopsis thank you i tried to avoid all those filler words but i think i nailed it yeah you did <laughs> so i feel like i watched the movie again i know i know i took two and a half hours and narrowed it down into roughly four minutes <laughs> so no need to watch the movie now, folks. You can go home, stop the podcast. Just You're good. You're good. Uh, don't stop listening. Please keep listening. No, get to hear our thoughts. Yeah. So where do you want to start with this? Because this is a complicated movie. It is. I want to start with Carl Sagan. Do you know a lot about him? I know that he once said that if you want to make an apple pie, you must first create the universe. Oh, that's him? That's him. What's What does that mean again? I think it's something to do with if you want to do anything basic, you have to un like to understand one thing. You must first understand how everything else works. I think it's kind of like saying that everything, nothing is entirely independent of something else. Okay. And that if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, mm -hmm. truly from scratch, you have to make the universe first. Because you can't have an apple that's truly from scratch without creating an entire universe. Okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. So that's oh, the way that's, I've always taken it. I like it. that quote. <laughs> like, I mean, you think of like anything little, like the computer that we have here. Um, our microphone. You know, the plastic came from somewhere, which was processed at a factory. Mm -hmm. And was extracted, which was based from oil, which was potentially, you know, uh, crude oil, which came from dinosaurs and like everything has led to the point where now we have this little microphone here and dead dinosaurs are sitting on our desk in a way 
if you think oh, about it that okay. way. So like everything has led to this. Has led to this, and everything will keep leading to something else. Okay. I know it's very. That's an interesting thought. Elaborate, but yeah, there's like some. I think he was the original host of Cosmos, which I know yes, Neil deGrasse Tyson used to host. Does still host? I'm not sure. I can find that out. Um, but to your point, but was that it? was like the first thing, like first episode of Cosmos, was um, Carl Sagan saying, "If you want to make an apple pie, you must first create the universe." Fascinating. So Cosmos, so, the second one, the reboot, ran from March of 2014 to June of 2014. And okay. Neil deGrasse Titan did present that. So Gotcha. You were right. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so Carl Sagan was the original host, but that's all I really know about Carl Sagan. And I know that he was involved in the Voyager um, mission with the like golden plate mm-hmm. that has like the record of music and like the man and woman and all that so but other than that I don't, I don't know much else okay what do you know on carl about carl sagan next to nothing oh <laughs> unfortunately i didn't know you were gonna go somewhere with that one if you were if you were like building up to like i actually know a whole lot about carl sagan no i don't unfortunately he wrote the book that this movie is based off of yes also called contact came mm-hmm. out in 1985 hmm. he also served as an advisor for this film and his goal was to try to make this movie as scientifically accurate as possible. Interesting. Unfortunately, he passed away during production on this movie mm. in 1996. He was actually supposed to cameo on as a member of one, that panel that chose the representative from Earth to yeah. go on the trip. Yeah. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. yeah, the movie does end, like, the, the film is still going before the credits start rolling, that it says right there at the very end, for Carl. Yeah. Which kind of got me because i was like oh yeah i knew carl sagan had, wrote, had written the novel this was based on you had you um didn't. yeah before we watched this uh, earlier today i was able to watch the trailer and in the trailer it mentions based on the novel by carl sagan mm-hmm. so um but yeah it's a there's a lot of things about this movie i really want to talk about um, yes there's so much good stuff <laughs> there's a lot of social commentary mm-hmm. there's a lot of um symbolism mm-hmm. there's a lot of i would say the big themes of this movie will probably be religion well, not religion faith i was about to say faith, faith for sure is a massive part of this film how many characters say the word faith? I think every single person, <laughs> save for Bill Clinton, because I don't think they couldn't find they couldn't find a game of him <laughs> saying the word faith. Um, so faith is a big theme. I think I would go so far as to say that like it tackles sexism in science and sexism in the STEM fields mm-hmm. really well. Uh, Jodie Foster, uh, Doctor Arroway is definitely like a figure of female empowerment and female. Um, science, like just she, I I was getting very like angry for her, just watching the movie, mm-hmm. um, especially every time before his untimely death, uh, Drumlin, who is who was the uh, national science advisor to the president, every time she was presenting something and he was there, he would like always cut her off. Yeah, he and he would and, undercut her mm-hmm. so many times. And I was just like, sir, 
she's talking. Yeah. <laughs> that was, oh. that really, really, really uh, got to me there. But, but yeah. Um, that and also the, oh, what is his name? We ha- we always have to, we'll have to keep up the IMDb here. Um, the... What character? Oh, uh, Kits? James Woods, the uh, national security advisor. He is just like Mr. Doubting, Mr. <laughs> I hate all, like not I hate science, but like super skeptical and very like looks down on Ellie. And he like, he even says that he's, he quits being national security advisor to, to like disprove Ellie, which like to continue this work and this in- inquiry. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how insecure must you be? That you're, this is what you're going to do with, like, your life, you know? Right. I don't know. Um, but but the characters are very complex. I think... I, I don't want to spend too, too much time on the uh, on the characters. But yeah, I, I don't do, think we need to for this one. I want to get to two. Uh, Jodie Foster's character and Matthew McConaughey's character. Yeah, if there were any to go for... To, and analyze those mm-hmm. would be the two yeah um i just want to say uh with matthew mcconaughey's character it's interesting because two films ago on the podcast we watched interstellar mm-hmm. where matthew mcconaughey went on an interstellar trip uh in a very similar ish fashion to jodie foster's character dr Arroway here in that the wormholes mm-hmm. and you know uh space time travel is involved um, but this is young Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, this is '90s Matthew Not, McConaughey. I wrote in my notes, "Oh damn, Matthew McConaughey," <laughs> and I emphasize the the E's and oh, the I Y's. See. Yeah, there's a lot of Y's in that. McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> we see him first in uh, Puerto Rico, where where Doctor Arroway is doing her research initially, mm-hmm. and he's just just like there, and he's doing very interesting research. Yeah, what is this research? It was the effects of modern technology on, like, indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. Which I find very interesting because Puerto Rico, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't have many indigenous people, like, indigenous tribes remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Puerto Rico, and from what I could tell, it unless you were at the beach you felt like you were in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Like, you were... I mean, there's definitely a different feel to Puerto Rico, but I wouldn't say, like, if you're going to do indigenous tribe research, Puerto Rico, it's like wanting to do research on, like, what the Amish think about and doing it in, like, New York City. And it's like, <laughs> you're you're not... No, that's uh, wrong, wrong area there, bud. Um, but I just thought that was kind of interesting, especially after they mentioned specifically, like, oh, we can get things in from San Juan and all that. And I'm like, oh, they're in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Wait, why is he doing indigenous work in Puerto Rico? But his work is based based, based on the faith aspect of indigenous peoples who worship technology because they don't understand it. Mm. So that's what he's doing when we first meet him. So, sorry, that's that was very long-winded. I apologize. Yeah, that's Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> so what... What do we want to talk about with Matthew McConaughey? He, I had a lot of feelings about this character. Okay, let's ab- hear it. About um, Palmer. He, 
he's he's a very strong-willed person and he's a very he knows what he believes and he's steadfast in that mm-hmm. and I can respect that at the same time I kind of have to side with Ellie I don't know if this is because of the protagonist or my own personal beliefs and we won't get into too much of that we don't want to alienate anyone or offend anyone um, on this podcast but I kind of was like especially during the um, like the selection committee moments um, where like, she wraps up and Matthew kind of is like I want to know if you believe in God and she's like I don't know how this is pertinent mm-hmm. you know and the other random guy is like 95% of the world believes in God that's a shit woman it's... what? there's a shit woman who said that a female character said that it was a male character Mm-hmm. And then it was echoed by a female character. It was like a bearded guy who's like, it's a 95%, like 90% of the world believes in God. I think that's pretty pertinent. And then the oh, the, was... the chairwoman like echoes that. And she's like, yeah, that's what that's what we're getting at, is that 90% of the world. Ah. Yeah. I just remember her saying that. Yeah. Because I felt like she had to keep explaining, she would keep jumping in and explaining what mm-hmm. he meant. By his question yeah but i kind of thought about that and i'm like well i would say like 90 percent of the world like likes chocolate and if you don't like chocolate can you not go into space <laughs> you know I, I know liking chocolate and believing in a higher being is oh very gosh. different uh, but it was just it did it was kind of like is the information we get going to be tainted in any way if you don't believe in god yeah, he and well then he explained to her as he couldn't in good faith choose someone who didn't represent most of humanity. But at the same time But then he says later that he did that because he didn't want her to go. Right. And, and so initially I was like, This guy's kind of a jerk. And then he comes and is like, I didn't want you to go because I, I I'm gonna miss you and all that. And like, oh, that is still definitely a jerky move. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He knew that that would be her downfall because before that point, it sounds like that interview went really, really well for her. Yeah, and then he's just like, uh, "Do you believe in God?" And because they almost they they the um so one of the co- committee members even thanks Jodie Foster's character of Ellie for her candor in her time. So we imagine that she's been here a while and answering all their questions. And then she says, now it's just time for your statement or something like that. Yeah. And then Palmer yep. jumps in. Actually, yeah. Actually, I have one more question. Yes. Oh. So that makes it even worse. You were quoting the movie. I thought you were asking me one more question. <laughs> no, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying that makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, like when you finish your driver's test or like any other kind of like big achievement and they're like going over the results with you and it's like, okay, you did well on maneuverability. You did well on the street. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when it came to parking, you're like, oh no, oh no. It's like, yeah, you failed that. I have a perfect example that is for a driver's test. So I had a friend who in high school, when he took his driver's test, he passed that online exam. Mm -hmm. He passed the parking spot, the parking, whatever Mm -hmm. portion and the driving portion at the very end, he's at a, he's at a red light and the the instructor said informs him to take a right turn right then and there 
And so he does it. And then the instructor fails him after they park saying that was a no turn on red light. Whoa. Oh, that is a better. Yes. And it wow, happened too. Oh, that's... he was so frustrated. And then the next weekend he and his dad drove like 40 minutes away to take the test somewhere else. Yeah. Wow. That's a jerk move. Yeah. That's a real jerk move. Right. Oof. Yikes. Um, but yeah, he, he's an interesting character. Um, I don't, I don't know. I I have a lot of feelings just about him in general. I, I don't know. I don't know if I like him or not. Like he, he helps ultimately in the end, Mm -hmm. but like, did we have to go through, like, did he have to be so divisive the entire time, you know? And so antagonizing to Jodie Foster's character. Yeah. Well, we we definitely learn more about her character through him. Yeah. Like, from the get-go. And there was something I wanted to ask you. So, in shortly after their two characters first meet in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and they're outside looking at the stars at night, he explains why he believes in God. And he had some sort of personal story where he said, I can't explain it other than god being involved do you remember what that exact story is i don't because i'm i missed it i i didn't quite catch it yeah it but you're sure but yeah he he provides we learn more about her character through him he is he has an in with the president yeah so he lets her in on the whole how there's a panel being created to select the person who's going to go on this voyage Mm-hmm. And then he informs her that the big jerk of the movie. Watch it. There's a couple jerks in this movie. Yeah, but the main jerk, Drumlin. Drumlin. Yes, that he actually has resigned from his position so that he can be considered for this voyage. And that's what. And he's the definitely the biggest jerk because he shuts down Ellie's research. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, this is a bunch of baloney. You take a million, billions of stars. We're never going to find life. And he brings up, he doesn't say what the proper name of it, but he brings up uh, Fermi's Paradox. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Fermi's Paradox? No, I'm not. So Fermi's Paradox is, there's the moment where she like drives the Jeep like right up to him. Yes. And he's like, there's one of two options. Either one, and that's Fermi's Paradox, is that if there's so much potential for intelligent life out there where are they either they are too far away to reach us or they don't exist and this was developed by enrico fermi who actually worked on the manhattan project during world war ii with the nuclear bomb and all that mm-hmm. um but i just thought it was kind of interesting that you, they bring up fermi's paradox that is interesting understandable that they would bring it up in a movie like this oh yeah but then of course once she once ellie does the hard work Finds it. He swoops in and is like, "Oh, as you can see here, the the the, the science clearly shows." And I'm yeah, like, "Yeah, well, not only that, but before <sighs> that, so she had to go through private investors to even set up that research." Yeah, and it's. I think they mentioned that since then he's been promoted to some science director who has some sort of indirect control over what they're doing, and it sounds like he's been putting in roadblocks. And in mm. fact, 
that site, it seems like, is about to shut down right before right. this happened. They had like three months till the, the paperwork went through and then they were so, going to be out Right. Of so he's done all that crap to her. And then after that... Once she actually turns out to have found something, he was like, oh yeah, I've been supporting this the whole time. And right. It's like, okay. And then she travels to Washington to, we think, speak on it. And she thinks speak on it. But then Drumlin comes in, and he speaks on it and takes all the credit. Yeah, he's like, well, our team was clearly, uh, they found this this uh, this this message coming from space. And I'm like, your team? What? Mm, yeah. Sir? And then when he does his interview with the panel, he brings up God a ton. He's, oh, just a skeevy guy. Yeah, just, ugh. And I, I felt bad because he does die. He is killed in the terrorist attack. Yeah. Um, but he was just so, like, smug about everything. Like, they had, like, a test dummy for the... Also, if the test dummy had gone through, would there have just been, like, um, like it have... if it went through the same journey that Jodie Foster's character did, would the Vegans would have been like, oh, I guess the people are made of metal. <laughs> you know what I just thought? Why did they use a test dummy for that one, but for for uh, Jody Foster? They're just like, they're like <laughs> you're going in. <laughs> More sexism in science. A woman's just as good as a test dummy. Oh, oh my gosh, this movie's horrible. Yeah, what? Because they, they would totally like that. That would be their protocol. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't they? Oak. Because then they it would have just fallen through, and they would have thought that it doesn't work that's probably why that's true that's true just like maybe, with Jodie Foster maybe yeah. they built like one test on me and they're like this is the only one we got we can't go to like any car factory ever and get like a test on me there maybe that funeral is actually for Elmer Elmer <laughs> oh he's yeah they they bury Drumlin in like some random cemetery but they're like Elmer gets to go to Arlington he's the real American hero here <laughs> Yeah, I just realized that right now, yeah. They were just like, screw it, we're doing it now. Yeah. We're doing it live! (laughs) Just, yeah. And also, I was was getting a little worried for Ellie because there were several, um, several uh, Chekhov's guns in this movie. Okay. Are you familiar with Chekhov's gun? Uh, I feel like I know, why do I... I know I've heard this before, and I know I've known it before, but right now I can't think of what it is. I feel is. like you brought it up on the Wait, podcast. wait. I think I, can I guess what it is? Yes. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong? That's Murphy's Law from Interstellar. Crap. No, no. I got this. Chekhov's gun is... Is it like a false start? Nope. I don't know what that is. Chekhov's gun is a theatrical term that... It's like a story... Like a script writing. Uh-huh. Um, a storytelling device? Yeah. Where basically... The the term comes from a, pl- a Russian play where there was a gun on the wall mm-hmm. in the set. Oh, and the, where in the third act someone shoots the gun. If yes, if you're shown a gun in, in the, the first movie, act, first act, you're going to see someone shoot it by the third act. Yes. And so when have when that. you when you so Ellie gives um uh oh my gosh Palmer the compass and she's like you're gonna need this. You might get lost. Or, like, you might need this later on. Then it shows up again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, there's our first one. And... Did she give it to him in Puerto Rico? Yeah, in Puerto Rico. Yeah. 
Or she, he gives it to her because he's like, something about like you being lost, like without God. And then uh, he gives it back, she gives it back to him. And then he gives it back to her. Yep. And so it goes back and forth with this whole thing. I'm like, oh, okay, so this will be important later. Yeah. Um, and it does kind of save her. It Yeah. When she's in that pod. So I was thinking about because this. Because otherwise she would have been on the metal chair and probably yeah. just smacked against and died. Right. So it was a it was like Chekhov's lifeboat. Mm-hmm. So um, when she's like when she's like, uh, this will save your life one day, and I wrote in my notes the compass will be important. <laughs> I knew it was gonna be. I'm like, why would they put so much emphasis on this whole compass thing? But I was getting worried for her near the I guess the beginning of the third act when they're on the boat in Japan mm-hmm. and the like NASA guy with the bow tie, the random like tweed jacket wearing scientist is like we we give these to astronauts we don't typically talk about it and it's like i guess like a cyanide pill or like Mm -hmm. some kind of like it's painless it'll just in case you can't make it back um and i was like is that is she gonna like accidentally swallow that and then like end up oh man oh my gosh but i'm i'm glad it didn't happen like that um would have been very uh, a very dark ending to the film. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no. Oh, jeez. Uh-oh. That's not good. And nothing ever came of it, so it was all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so I know we kind of strayed away from Matthew McConaughey's character, but is there, I don't really have anything else myself to say about him. No. I, no? I don't have too much either. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Jodie Foster's character, Ellie Eleanor Arroway. Um... <laughs> If we if we had Hammond, not Hammond. What is his name? Oh my gosh, Har Drumlin, not Drumlin. Um, Haddon. Haddon. If we had Haddon's video on on Arrowhead, that would have been much more helpful. Um, but she is just a young astronomer who has. She's a doctor. Yeah, doctor. Doctor Arrowhead. Mm-hmm was offered a position at Harvard to teach and she turned it down to work for SETI mm-hmm. which understandably people would say you're crazy uh, SETI is manned I think right now by like four or five people yeah so but they're out in New Mexico they're out there now looking for intelligent life I didn't realize there actually was a SETI oh yeah um, I'm, I'm curious see I'll see if I can pull it up here See if we can find the website. But yeah, SETI. Um, SETI.org. <laughs> yep, that's a, that's a thing. Wow. You can get SETI t-shirts. You can do a, a monthly gift to uh, to help fund them. Fund them. Education and outreach. Very cool. But yeah, so you can... Uh, you can help out SETI. You can support SETI. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it, I liked seeing her when she was eight, nine years, eight, nine, ten years old mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. You see that she has, she and her father have been using radio waves to try to see how far out they can contact. Yeah. And it's kind of, and it was neat to see that in her future profession, she'll be doing that for, like, she'll just be expanding on that. Yeah. And all oh, that. That scene is so heartbreaking to me after her 
her father dies and it's the day of the funeral and she goes upstairs and tries to contact her through the radio mm, yeah that one <sighs> yeah and i didn't i never caught this before in so i've seen this movie once i saw the first time i saw it was five years ago some friends in college just showed me it and i was it, it just blew my mind i i really enjoyed it yeah but i didn't catch until this viewing that they you that the aliens used the island of pensacola that she had drew that she had drawn in that photo mm, yeah because you see in that photo she has these three palm trees and one's hanging down mm-hmm. and they have that in this movie yeah it's yeah. really neat. It's uh, it's very interesting. And for some reason, when I first watched this, I'm, I, I thought that that was actually her father, not an alien using her father's image. Mm. Yeah. But but the alien when he's when the alien sees her, the alien is as her dad. So I'm gonna call the alien he. Sure. He says, like, I miss you, Sparky, or something like that. Yeah. I think that, as the alien said, like, we... She's like, you were able to, like, analyze my memories during the voyage or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it was to make it, like, to make make the transition easier. To make this easier for you. Mm-hmm. So, I like, imagine, I mean, you go to an alien planet and, like, you know, your mom, your brother... Your dad is there. And you're like, what? You're here? Wait, Mm -hmm. what? It's something familiar you can, like, relate to. As opposed to just, like, this weird alien being like, welcome to Vega! Right. You know. Yeah. Still, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that the alien said that. I missed you. Yeah. It was, it's, and speaking of alien, if we're gonna, if we could do, like, a a quick side detour talking about the alien Mm -hmm. that we meet, um... This these aliens are vague AF. <laughs> um, Jodie Foster's character is like, "How did you build it? How did you do it?" He's like, "Oh, we didn't build it. It was built by someone else long before us. Maybe they'll return one day." And I'm like, "What? Huh?" And then he's just like, "Yep, we've been doing this for billions of years." I'm like, "So you're just really slow on like the return rate, like?" It took, I mean, yeah, sure, it took a second on Earth time, but, like, for Jodie Foster, it was 18 hours. So, like, okay, 18 hours of this this trip. Mm-hmm. I guess time must move either really fast or really slow for the Vegans for it to be, like, you've been doing this for billions of years. And, like, how many other civilizations of the Vegans just, like, hey, we exist. We'll call you later. You know, it'd be like if I was trying to meet up with you, like the first time I met you, and we met at like a McDonald's or something, and I don't know, and I was like, Anthony, so good to meet you. You're like, yep, we'll meet again. And you just walked out for like two minutes. I'd be like, wait, what? What? You're like, I've been doing this for weeks with many different people. Baby steps, small steps. And I'm like, huh? I know it, it helped forward the plot, but it seemed very just like nonsensical that they're like, we brought you all the way here to say, we'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. It is very, very vague. Part of me 
likes it though and yeah. this is the reason just like like a like an affirmation that they're that you're not alone and that like everything's gonna be okay i guess that's true in a sense if, there's there's a lot that my mind is swimming about right now with that mm-hmm. but you're right because i was thinking that too wait how how are they going to contact her them again and what yeah, like, if Jodie Foster was the only person who was able to make it to the planet, then your return pilot, like, the follow-up is going to be so... Like, unless you do it, like, a few years down the road, mm-hmm. Jodie Foster could be dead at this point, and then it's like, hi, we're looking for uh, Miss Arroway, and like, who? Uh, Miss Arroway, we talked to her about uh, last week, uh, it's been 500 years since that. Oh, well, guess we'll start over. We'll see you later. Wait, what? Who are you? Don't worry about it. Like, why? I don't know. The aliens, I get the point that it's, because I feel like the movie's not about scientific travel. No, it's not. The movie's about faith. Yeah. And faith in anything, I would say. I wouldn't say the movie is like pro-religion. Because we see some religious people in the film who are clearly positioned as, like, antagonists or... I mean, the terrorist is, like, a, f- a extremist, you know, religious ex- uh, extremist terrorist mm-hmm. who blows up the first uh, machine. Um, and then you have Rob Lowe making a brief appearance as, like, the the conservative coalition head who keeps questioning her, like... Well, how do we know these aliens don't believe? Do they believe in God? Or do they have morals and all this? And it's like, okay, yeah, played by Rob Lowe's character. Played by Rob, Rob Lowe. Lowe. Yeah, um, not Rob Lowe's character. Played by Rob. Played by Rob Lowe. <laughs> um, and just like, okay, so the movie's not anti-religion, and the movie's not pro-religion, but it's just pro-faith. Whether it's a faith in humanity, whether it's faith in God, I feel like faith in science. Um. Well, I think the, the film's asking the audience, what do you have faith in? Yeah, like, what do you believe in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really, really good message. I really like that. Um, but, yeah, the the aliens seemed very, like, plot device once we actually got there. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoyed the visuals of the teleportation and the traveling through the wormhole and all that. But other than that, it's like just the alien showing up and being like, hey, I'm your dad. Hi, I'm not actually your dad. I'm an alien. And yeah. we'll contact you later. Bye. Well, I, and I think, it, and maybe this is just me making the movie work more. But if they're so, if if they have to go through that tr- that trouble, quote unquote, or they have to go through that visage of, making the island of using Ellie's father mm-hmm. in order to speak with her. It seems like a lot of the stuff is very complex that maybe we as lower life forms wouldn't be able mm. to quite comprehend. And it's true. Maybe we're not ready. And I don't know. It sounds like they have this, the aliens have this handbook of this is how it works. Yeah. It's like contacting other civilizations. Step one. Send a vague message through space. <laughs> All right, cool. Got it. Step two. 
Make sure to attach it to a broadcast of a controversial figure. <laughs> well, know. I like how they explained that piece, where that's the first broadcast piece of televised content that went into space. That is true. That makes sense. Um, but I just thought it was kind of funny how, like, you see several signs of, like, the neo-Nazis at and in New Mexico, where it's like, Hitler lives on Vega! Yeah. And I'm like, uh... This movie's still topical. Yes. Uh, anyway. Yes. Um, but... But, yeah. I think that, you know, it's like, once you've made contact, wait a few hundred years. Small steps. Remember, it's all about the small steps. Yeah. Well, I just, in my mind, I just think it's just going to be so sophisticated and complicated for us to mm-hmm. comprehend. But, so, in, with the last part portion of when she's on that beach, or Vega, uh-huh. and she looks up and sees all those like beams of light, shooting stars, things. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that is, those are other civilizations who have created, those are other pods traveling to Vega. Oh. What is that in your mind? I just figured it was shooting stars. Okay. But I, that makes more sense than shooting stars. I like to think of that because they talk about... Cause but also... Her alien father. Yeah. Talks about how all these other beings are out there. All these other life forms. Yeah. Like... What... What I don't get is like, are the Vega... Like, is there like a higher consortium of planets that's like organizing all these trips are the vegans just like we just want to make friends because they mentioned like being lonely so i'm like okay that makes sense but like you're not giving ellie any kind of technology anything to prove it other than what you've already built well it's the and then again it's the theme of the that's the film's theme of faith right again but what i think what happened was the i don't think these people are even really vegans because they mention how they didn't create that whatever contraption yeah. that Ellie used in order to travel there. That someone else did and brought them there. And I think that these were just one of the first peoples to use it. That's true. That's true. Um, maybe that that could be it. Um, and the Vegans are just like, hey, we're going to... Or whoever they are. Mm-hmm. Are just like, hey, we might as well use it to see what who else is out there you know yeah that's uh, kind of interesting but but yeah um really 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 like this film this was good as we're talking about it more i'm, I'm liking it more you in are? retrospect yeah i just love the the idea of just the the possibilities of life and existence being just endless and vast so much so that even the beings that created this technology are still out there like not even there like going like the people who the aliens who la meets haven't even met the people who created this and mm-hmm. that that these beings who might have met millions of different alien beings are to this original group that created this space space shuttle thing like so minuscule and like i don't know i just that's that's so it's it's very hopeful hopeful and humbling Humbling is a in good a way. Word. Yes. Yeah, not like being put in your place, but kind of like realizing your place in the universe. Yeah, how vast and incredible it is. And yeah. Complex. 
I knew there was going to be an existential crisis in sci-fi month. I just had a feeling that March, we were going to be like, oh my god. And that's, those, a lot of my favorite sci-fi movies have that, like Interstellar, Contact. These yeah. are two of my favorites. That's true. That's true. Even like Annihilation, to a degree, from last week. Yeah, Annihilation did um, too. Jurassic Park, not so much. No, um, looking... but the last, th- the, or, the, yeah, we, we started with Jurassic Park, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so the last three, it's all about these different contact with aliens and then with uh, interstellar it's like hey let's make some dinos yeah that'll be fun we should have watched the movie paul too have you ever seen that i've seen paul <laughs> that movie <laughs> a, comedic, also a with... comedic take on meeting an alien that's also deals with, with uh, uh meeting an alien simon Pegg. yeah and, uh, nick frost yeah and the aliens voiced by seth rogan yeah Maybe maybe next March, next sci-fi month we'll we'll do we'll start off with Paul. That one is so just the discussions you can have. Yeah. About that movie. It's just so philosophically engaged. Truly. Um This movie I think was it it danced the line in a really graceful way, I'd say. Yeah. In that it was like I said, it wasn't like a pro religious movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anti religious. And I think that just the idea of faith in general is really well done in yeah. this film. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Did this movie win an Academy Award? I'll look that up. I know it was a blockbuster film that came out in the summer of 97. Yeah. So I would guess not. But I will look that up. Because I brought this up to some friends of mine and they were like, oh man. Oh, Best Sound Mixing. It was a non- nominee for Best Sound Mixing. Okay, okay. Um, but people, I remember telling people like I'm watching movie Contact this weekend, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, love Contact! That was so good." Oh, maybe they were thinking oh, of never another mind. film called Contact. Contact from. Oh wait, no, wait, no, no! Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is just the Contact page for the Oscars. <laughs> oh, for Contact the Academy of uh, uh, Contact <laughs> Awards. Here we go. IMDb. Yeah. Um, it was a nominee for... Best uh, Sound. Best Sound. Oh, Best Performance for Jodie Foster. And the oh, go- for Golden Globes. And the though. Golden Globes. Yeah, yeah, uh, It won the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for Best Actress and Best Performance of a Younger oh, Actress. Oh, Jenna Malone. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. This was, I think, a really, really well-done film. A very fun film a very dialogue heavy film yeah there were a few moments of this film where i'm like all right can we get to the sci-fi oh here we go okay all right you know it's it's one of those movies where it's technically in the genre of Mm sci-fi but this is definitely one of those movies where the sci the sci or the the fi of sci-fi the fiction Mm -hmm. is taking the back seat in a way yeah i remember being really surprised about the political and religiousness of this movie yeah uh having watched the trailer before seeing this the trailer ends with like take a a journey across the universe this summer and i'm thinking like oh man this is gonna be a a real action-packed film and it was pretty just like standard drama Mm -hmm. um in that aspect we really only get sci-fi action for maybe like eight minutes 
truly of the whole film. Right. And this is a two and a half hour long film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just seemed so... I guess it's kind of my point I mentioned before we started recording. Of like, I kind of felt underwhelmed. Of like, the trailer sold me on this like sci-fi action... Not action, but like the sci-fi adventure film. Mm-hmm. And we really only get maybe like... I don't know. Uh, 15 minutes of like adventure or action with the terrorist attack with um, meeting um, Hannon, Harnon, Handon, John Hurt's character, mm-hmm. and the actual trip to Vega. Uh, but other than that, it was really not much. And I guess I was just kind of a little uh, underwhelmed in that regard. But I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, it's all right. We'll watch some Marvel movies next month. There we That'll go. That'll get your action fixed. There we go. Exactly. Exactly. That'll satisfy your niche. Well, before we go into that, any final remarks on on Contact? Yeah. So, in my first viewing, missing that that was an alien using her father's image instead of her father. I thought it was just her father. And that gave me a whole different perspective of this film, where I thought it was more about the intersection of science and religion and how maybe mm. they're the same but now <laughs> now that i realize that crucial part of the movie i don't know that that's really it well that was in my mind as well but it, it definitely is a, a it's not i guess it's not as salient as i thought it was like and i mm. think i think the part that makes it somewhat salient is palmer's line at the end of the movie where he says he believes he believes Ellie. Yeah. Well, this is kind of one of those things where this is this debate is still going on today in society, mm-hmm. and I feel like this movie is still very topical. Oh, absolutely. Um, from everything from the anti-vax movement to flat earthers, mm-hmm. um, who are just kind of rejecting science; they don't believe in it, right? Uh, because they can't see the proof; they can't see with their own eyes. But it's taking a very narrow-minded view. And I yes. think that you can, if you took the stance of religion in the movie content, you took the movie stance of science, in a very simplified way, you could see it that way. Of like, well, Palmer's backing up this point where we can't even see if there is a God or not. Mm-hmm. And with the religious side, it's like, we don't even know if these aliens are real. This could have been a hoax. This could have been all made up. You know, even Kits at the end the uh, national security advisor mentions how how would this how could you have done this with a satellite cool who's the wealthy guy who helped fund you who could do this there you go boom you know Mm -hmm. um and so i think you take the sense of both and you keep it very narrow-minded and you can understand where these people will come from in today's society Mm -hmm. you know i can't you can step outside and you can't really see the curvature of the earth Therefore, Earth is flat. Mm-hmm. In the same way, you know, how do we know for sure vaccines don't have any kind of adverse effects? I'm not a scientist. I can't see it. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So I think, in a way, it also advocates for faith in the unknown. It does. In, in terms of science as well. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like, you should, we should trust her. Yeah. If the religious guy says we should trust science, then science... In, ha- in turn, can trust religion. Well, not only that, because Ellie's character at the end, when she is being interviewed by 
I don't know if that was Congress or what, Mm -hmm. but Kit's character, he says, he even says, so you can't describe it or explain it or anything. And I'm paraphrasing what he says. And he says, Uh and if you yourself were in my position, you wouldn't believe you. And she says, that's completely correct. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, she has done kind of a 180 and she's, she's defending something that she can't explain using her five senses. Yeah. And you're right, it is applicable today in, or in the idea of having faith in the unknown because these people who can't see or can't explain what Ellie experienced by their own perspective are then vehemently opposed to it because it's just too radical yeah. to comprehend. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, there, there's a lot that could be discussed there of why they're doing it but it's interesting i think that human beings can be like that yeah when something you when something happens that you can't explain mm-hmm. then you can jump and be kind of you can take occam's razor to the extreme mm-hmm. of like in my mind it's simple therefore this is correct mm-hmm. yeah the simple answer is often the most yeah the most plausible the most plausible yeah but i think this movie kind of i I don't know that there's ever a point where you as the audience are wondering if Ellie just imagined this all. Because, one, when she gets to Vega, she sees that the image of that spaceship for a second. Yeah. And then, two, at the end of the film, one of Clinton's workers or cabinet members mm-hmm. is talking to, to kids yeah. and mentions, she says, the interesting thing is the static that the microphone experience for 18 hours yeah and that 18 hours of static is the dead giveaway that it actually happened which makes me wonder she because ellie brings up the static before i'm surprised she wasn't intent on looking into that and bringing that as an example for the case like there's your artifact right there yeah it's interesting that that is so after the fact because that was i don't know but um it worked it makes the movie work. I think the movie needed that. <coughs> like it would have been, it wouldn't. It would have then not forced Ellie's character to have that confession about having faith, right? In right. things that she can't, can't understand or yeah. explain. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Overall, loved it. Now that I'm talking about, it, I really I want to have to yeah. rewatch this. Yeah. So. So in in double A popcast fashion, out of wait wait before we do that, can oh. I just there's a couple other things I want to bring up. So there's that <laughs> shot we see of Ellie when she's a child mm-hmm. and she's running up the stairs to get medicine. I looked at IMDb and it said that shot would be practically impossible because we see it from a mirror. So the shot was filmed as a normal shot would have been, and then flipped and placed in the mirror, which at the time of the shooting was a blue screen cab placement in the cabinet. Interesting. Because I remember watching them, I'm like, this is a really interesting shot. It's a really long shot. Yeah. And then that UFO abduction insurance banner, mm-hmm. that's from a real company. Oh. Warner Brothers actually paid to use that them in the film. Because they thought it was a really novel idea. That's funny. funny. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, and then the Bill Clinton, all of those were, those were re-edited, altered. Mm-hmm. 
images and i and i feel like the giveaway was we never saw him head on we only we saw ellie at the at the conference we only saw clinton through the image of the tv next to her Mm -hmm. but i guess this this prompted cnn banning the use of their logo logo in fictional movies and Mm -hmm. not letting their reporters do cameo appearances yeah except for larry king yeah I thought it was interesting there of mirroring their characters in the movie. In reality, Jodie Foster is an atheist or agnostic, and Matthew McConaughey is a Christian. Hmm. So, very, very interesting. Um, huh. So, out of ten machines, because it's just called the machine, out of ten teleport machines, with the pod she's in, out of ten pods. Out of ten pods. I want. Can we do? Can we? Can we do the dummy that died, Elmer's? Out of ten Elmer's. <laughs> R.I.P. Elmer. R.I.P. Gone For too Elmer. soon. Out of ten Elmer's, what would you rate Contact? I really like this movie. I would give it probably an eight, eight and a half. I just it gets me thinking. Maybe even nine. I'll go mm-hmm. nine. Nine. Every time I see this movie, it gets me thinking. Yeah. I would give this a solid 8 out of 10 Elmers. Alright. It was better than I expected, Mm -hmm. but it left me still wanting a little more. Okay. And that's what I kind of... I love movies and I hate movies for this reason. Of like, if you go in wanting to see something and then you never see it, and it's not like a franchise or a sequel where like things might happen. Like Star Wars or Marvel, where like... Oh, this could still happen. Yeah. Like, once you see Contact, you're like, that's it. End of story. It's a closed, you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I kind of wish we saw more Vega. I want to see what happens on Vega. Yeah. Like, what other interactions do these Vegans have? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so. I, I kind of wish I lived in this world where this had happened. Like, it, it would change a lot. Yeah, but I and it'd be just be hopeful to know that there's so much life out there. That there is something out there. Yeah. But then again, if we lived in that world, it was I funny feel- because I was reading a review on this, and they were talking about how when they first saw this movie in '97, they were a high school senior, and they were struck by the the argument between religion and science. But upon viewing it later, this was a few years ago. This article was written. This individual was struck by the use of the press in technology in this movie. Mm. Like how people are regularly video chatting in this movie where you yeah. didn't, people didn't do that in 1997. Yeah. And just the way the media presents different things. I'm just wondering, if this were to happen, what, what message would I get as some person who I don't have any position of power in our government or anything like that? Yeah. And... And that gets in the whole conversation about media mm. and how messages are presented, how they're received. Yeah. There's a lot of layers of this movie. <laughs> a lot of layers. Well, that concludes Sci-Fi Month. It's over. Yeah, that it's, was a fun month. That was very fun. From dinosaurs to interstellar travel to plant people and screaming bears to contact... <laughs> And shiny sand. Yeah. And Elmer. And Elmer. R.I.P. Elmer. I'm excited for next month. Let's tell our viewers or listeners what's in store for next month. Yes. So next month is a very special month. I'm very excited about next month. 
uh, which <laughs> is next month, next Sunday, uh, when we'll be recording this, uh, and that is Marvel Month. Yes. Yeah, so this really this idea came from the fact that the Avengers Endgame is coming out the fourth week of april and we thought Mm -hmm. we should celebrate that some way so we're going to start out by our first episode of the month which will be next week Mm -hmm. we're just going to do a marvel deep dive yeah talk about marvel films the mcu in particular Mm -hmm. the impact that that's had on films on the two of us Mm -hmm. our thoughts about the film so far Mm -hmm. and then we've each chosen our favorite mcu film yes so week one will be our retrospective uh, week two will be your favorite Marvel film. Yes, Captain America Civil War. And week three will be my favorite Marvel film, Avengers Infinity War. And then week four is dun, dun, dun. Avengers Endgame. Yes, you heard that. Aven- Straight from AA Popcast. <laughs> Avengers Endgame. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be exciting. Um, I can't wait. Three hours worth of film. People are, are reporting. Um, I am... I am ready. Yeah, he's already bought his diaper. I I got my diaper. I got my backup, you know, Mountain Dew <laughs> bottle in case I need to really go. I am <laughs> set for this film. And mind you, I'll be sitting right next to him as we watch this movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it'll be it'll be good. And we're very excited for that. And uh, we hope you enjoyed Sci-Fi Month as much as we did. And looking forward to Marvel Month. Noise!